welcome to another episode of Novel Not New, a trend podcast. It's a show where we pick a visual novel every month, play through it like a book club, and then we discuss it at the end. I'm Jennifer Uncle, and joining me as always, uh, Six Stutmar. Hello, folks. And M. Hello. So, uh, this month we decided to go with something a bit shorter since... Uh, <laughs> The last thing we went through, which I believe was Hakuoki, was ridiculously long to the point where we were still scrambling to finish it before the podcast recorded. So um, we went with something that can be finished in a single setting rather easily. It's Subsurface Circular, a game by Mike Bithell Games, which came out last year in um, August. One of the things that kind of marked its launch was... They just released it without any fanfare. They were like, okay, here's a game announcement, and it's already out. And that's kind of what got me to play it in the first place. Did uh, any of you have any experience with this before this podcast? No, I remember it coming out, and then I didn't play it because I don't like any of the prior Mike Bithell games I've played. Um, <laughs> yeah. I liked the DLC for Thomas Was Alone, and that's about it. Um, and I'd played them all, and I, so I was like, I don't know. I don't think that this work is like particularly for me but i did like the look of it and i liked that it was like a two hour long text adventure with some graphics on it um so i'd always meant to play it uh and then it's regularly been on deep discount even on switch where everything's too expensive so um i picked it up one time it was on sale okay so you played it on switch yes i did nice Assuming there's no weird control issues with that version. Nope. You can kind of look around the uh, compartment by like moving your switch, like gyro look or whatever, which is cool, but none of that's necessary. Otherwise, it just plays like a normal video game. Oh, yeah. Um, it acts similarly when you use the, when you move the mouse around mm-hmm. on the PC version. Uh, Six, did you uh, see any of this uh, before? So I poked at both Thomas Was Alone and, and Volume. Um, and Thomas was alone. I was like, okay, like, I guess this is fine. It doesn't like, I didn't find it particularly interesting, but I was like, whatever, go with God. Um, and I played a little volume and I actively thought it was really bad. Yeah. Um, that was a, that was a, that was a bad game. And um, I, and I a hundred percented, uh, Metal Gear Solid VR missions back in the day and still thought volume yeah. was bad. So <laughs> yeah, it was just a boring idea executed boringly. Um, and so I was like, when I heard Subsurface Circular came out, I was like, I honestly didn't look that hard because I was just like, I just, do, yeah, again, I like, like, like am. I was like, I just don't think I'm a Bithel fan. Uh, that's, you know, do your own thing. I don't think I'm going to check that one out ever. And then it came up here and I was like, well, it's short. I mean, you know, what the hey? Okay. So. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because my experience with the Bithels games has been, I really liked Thomas Was Alone. It was it came out during the time when I was still getting into weird, quirky um, platformers. So having this cute narrator um, give a story to these simple shapes was kind of fun. I got really excited for volume because I enjoy Metal Gear Solid. And the idea of a YouTuber doing a Let's Play, except it's how to rob this rich asshole, was kind of a fun idea in my mind. And then I got around to playing it and none of it worked. Like the execution was botched top to bottom. 
so then I was like, okay, I'll give subsurface circular a try when that popped up out of nowhere. And I got really angry with it. <laughs> like, it was... The thing that really stuck out to me on my first playthrough, like a year ago, was... It really wants to talk about a lot of things, but it gives so little time to all of those things that it feels really slight in an obnoxious way. And that gave a that left a pretty sour taste in my mouth when I was done with it a few hours later. So yeah, um, we should probably summarize the plot for this. Let's see. Sure, I can I can handle that. It's it's a pretty simple plot. So you are playing as Theta One One, who is a basically a, a robot or android, um, known as a, a the style is known as a tech. Um, you are a detective uh, on a subway system called the Subsurface Circular, and basically you work for management, which is you know a bunch of humans sort of running the city. And your job is to go around and solve cases. Um, at the moment, you are between cases, but you talk to another passenger, because this subway is purely for techs, only for other androids. Um, and they sort of convince you to pick up a case that you normally wouldn't, um, and isn't really your job, so you kind of shouldn't be investigating. But you start going into it, and as people come on and off the train, you talk to them and, and slowly unravel the mystery of what is going on and why other uh, techs are disappearing. Yeah, and it kind of builds from there. It it throws a few red herrings in front of you before revealing, oh wait, no, that actually was the main... The person that you discounted earlier was actually the one behind it all. And in the end, it gives you a pretty um, straightforward moral choice, though they try and... Uh, add shades of gray to it like it's it's basically asking you to make a split second decision based on the things you've seen in the subsurface circular um a decision on how whether to keep things the same or change them through a violent insurrection and either way it involve either choice will involve you either shooting yourself or shooting another person yeah, um, so this, like, the game is, is pretty, like, you can't move in this game, you're just, you're, like, you know, your character is capable of walking, but since your your beat is this subway-like train, you basically just sit in here and move your mouse around to interact with people, um, and that's, well, I say people, of course, everyone is a robot, um, and so it's it's a fairly, like, static the setting, but I feel like through the art and animation and people coming and going, it feels pretty dynamic, or at least for as long as you play it. Yeah, totally. Like, you have a few texts that come up that have um, are wearing gigantic headphones, and you can hear some of the music bleed out. Uh, they, do a de they do a pretty decent job of not making the subway stops feel like they're entirely connected to your conversations. Like... Occasionally, there will be a situation where you've done everything there is to do, and at that point, it will reach a stop. But occasionally, it's just, you'll see it happen in the middle of a conversation, and someone will leave and enter. And they do a pretty good job of making it feel alive, or at least as alive as a room of robots can feel. So, 
so how did you how did you i don't know i feel like i've talked to jen some about this because jen and i basically talk all the damn time um how did you feel about subsurface circular m i don't really have any idea how you felt okay so there's like three aspects to subsurface circular in my mind there's the like in the 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 part where red incepts the idea of researching the disappearances into you and then you do it there's the world building of the situation and then there's the resolution when red reveals themselves and talks about the revolution or whatever right there's like the three main pillars of what goes on in this story um so i feel like i i want to break those out uh because i feel like the discussions around them are probably a little different um each uh, I think the weakest one is the like world building itself, which is fine, but a little stock. Like humanity made robots, it replaced all the labor. Now there's uh, friction around humanity and the robots, and the robots have nebulous ideas of humanity. Like they can't be owned by people, but they all have programming. And uh, like you meet like one athlete who signed up and is just been like overwritten with shilling like an, like batteries, basically. Um, and barely has a personality because of it, but it was consensual. So it's fine. Like the ways in which it reveals the, like, these people are still oppressed, even though they have like token ideas of freedom, uh, is stock, I guess is what I'd say. It's not bad. It's just kind of stock. It's very generic. Mm. Um, the way in which red incepts you to start the investigation, like, oh, I have a friend who is missing. And then because you are a detective robot and your job is to track down these clues and follow a task, you end up doing that to the point where you discover that there were a bunch of robots missing, uh, but it's maybe because of a rounding error. They're like, oh, there is a bun- there was like increased production and then no one told anyone. So then those numbers didn't show up anywhere. So everyone was convinced that these robots were missing when actually it was just like a spreadsheet error um, where it's like they, they want to write it off as uh, like bureaucratic miscommunication, um, which is the most believable possibility, I feel like. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then there's the reveal of the revolution, which... Um, I think is interesting. I think the choice like that you're given and the situation you're presented is like a, a re- relatively decent, like fallout quest as like the thing this game is, which is fine. Cause it's about as long as like a single fallout quest where it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, here's the thing. The, the humans who don't want to be displaced because they don't have jobs anymore. Want the robots to be free and not only free, but in charge because they will be better in charge and the humans are in charge which are just like pushing out all the humans by replacing them with robots. So everyone gets a job again. Humans can go back into trades where they've been pushed out and uh, the politicians will all be replaced with robots that they they're willing to take a chance on robots over uh, humans, which you know what? Fair enough. Uh, uh, And I think that choice is like interesting in the ways in which it, it asks you to make like, do you think this is like a better idea than the status quo? It's not even saying, do you think this is a good idea? It is, do you think this is better than the world you've been shown, which is kind of not dissimilar to our world. Uh, and I think that th- that question and that choice is like a really good one to have in a game this short. I don't think it bites off more that can chew. Um, I think there's a clear right answer personally, which is of course you're going to let the robots take over. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it leads up to that choice uh, with more nuanced than the genre usually gets in video games. Like 
like Deus Ex exists, right? And is mostly terrible in its modern incarnation. Um, and it's all about the weird anxieties of, oh, robot people are going to take over the world and racism happened. Robot apartheid. All lives matter. All that bullshit. None of that is in here, thank God. And instead, it focuses much more on the big ideas. And that's what I want out of my sci-fi is to con contemplate a big idea and feel how I fall in it. I do think the best part of the conclusion, I really like sort of like Red's reasoning for, for why they incepted you is I just I just think that's really clever. Where Red's like, I am only like a mid-level intelligence robot. I was intentionally designed to be this smart. And I was like, I would like someone smarter than me who I know is smarter than me to consider this problem. Yeah. And detectives have to be smarter than me. That's that just seems like really like good, interesting logic for the game to use. Yeah. And like Red relative like outright admits that it is unfair the position you were put into, where you have to kill yourself if you want if you believe in this idea. Um, but also like the idea of what like shooting yourself means in the situation is a little nebulous given that it's robots, but also um like it does ask you, do you do you commit enough to this idea that you're okay with the idea even if you don't have a place in it? Like the like the Mass Effect version of this is that you become the leader of the robot uprising, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And by giving you the situation to like say that you believe it is good, even though you have no agency in it, you are just the moral check against Red. Um, I think is a good way to decentralize like the player as the like situation. It is just asking your opinion on a state of the world and not necessarily like empowering you within it. And also, I feel like because like because you're dealing with like if the situation was it's a person, right, like like a normal ass human, you'd be like, well, the human wouldn't would like have enough like self-preservation that this would be a harder choice for them. But the way the the techs are portrayed in this, it's like, you know, you could totally see a tech being like, oh, I see this is the right decision. I'll shoot myself like it feels like the same level of like there's some attachment, but it does feel like to an extent there's as much removal as you have. Yeah, and also your other option is you're going to get to your stop, go upstairs, and your programming is basically going to get rewritten when you reconnect to the network because you've been kicked out of being a detective. Mm -hmm. Like, your personhood is already forfeit, so you might as well make it mean something if you want to take that route. Yeah, I suppose um, at the point, there's a part towards the end where detectives ask everything that you know and essentially erase everything from you. Well, it, it's a weird sort of nebulous erasure because all of your, you un, when you're talking about other people, you unlock points of interest that you can ask them about that appear in the bottom right-hand corner and all of those disappear, but you still seem to be pretty cognizant of what you were investigating and what you were looking into. So it's a weird situation where it's like your memory is wiped, but not quite. Well, the thing with uh, the way the points of interest work is it it like detaches the idea of your character's knowledge and their ability to enact that knowledge in like the social structures they're in. Um, so you can know whatever you want. It doesn't matter if you don't have the ability to like be an agent in the society that's been built. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I feel like reflects real world scenarios where like you can read all the books you want about how bad the world is. If you don't have the resources to do anything about it, you don't have the resources to do anything about it. Um, 
which is a problem we see with like all of us are poor and you know want to be activists with but we still have a job you know and they're still trying to make rent um mm -hmm. and on some level that's kind of the problem here where when you're when your detectiveness is wiped out and you're like soft resetted you lose your ability to like have agency in the world even though you remember everything and it sends the detective into like a forlorn like depressive state as they're like, I guess I can just ask people about this stuff, but it doesn't matter anymore because my knowledge is useless. I was just going to say, I did think it was kind of clever the second time through how it's clear how targeted you were in this situation. Like, you're a detective who never really leaves his posts or their post, or it, it gives you it gives you the option to actually choose a name that's slightly gendered, which is kind of interesting. Um but yeah, the general point is you're in you're constantly sitting in this one spot for most of your day. So all Red and his cohorts had to do was figure out where you were sitting and they have people that are moving in and out spying on you and it's it's clear from the way that it's handled that you're mostly operating within their parameters, which is which is kind of a neat twist. Um, the thing with the names you can pick, like two of them are like robot names. One was Theta. I don't remember the other one, but then the other two, it's Claire and I don't remember the masculine name, but James, yeah, I believe. they're characters from other Bithel games. Like Claire is a character in Thomas alone. Um, and when you talk to the priest, you can ask him about, or ask them about what their like religious system is. And they basically give you the narration that's in Thomas was alone. <laughs> um, which is a game that's like presents as like a cute platformer, but is about like learning AIs, like outstripping their system. It's like about the birth of artificial intelligence. Um, and in this situation has become like the basis of robot religion and they outright say like we don't know if like characters like claire existed but we believe in them because they were the origin of us as a people um which i think is interesting mm -hmm. so like the gendered aspect is uh more like a historical like vestigial thing than like a real thing the robots experience mm -hmm. like if you pick claire which which i did they're like oh a religious name okay mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it... uh, which was then funny when my character was like, "I don't know anything about religion. What is a religion?" <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I, I listened to some of the. Um, I I played with the developer commentary on since I already beat it once. Um, yeah, I, I went through again with the dev commentary, which it does not require playing through the entire game again, as far as I could tell. It just is like a short bit you can read through. Yeah, well, as when you unlock uh, points of interest throughout the game. Those are mm -hmm. additional questions you can ask oh, uh, okay. um, Bithelbot when you are talking to them. I did but, not. I did not notice that, so I'll need to go back and do that. But yeah, the um, the two main takeaways I got from that one, oh, this one kind of softened me up in general to the game when I was initially kind of very uh, whatever towards it. Um, it was made in its entirety in four months that includes the writing and everything else and yeah. uh the second thing is he mentions that uh the reaction to thomas w was alone at the time completely took it, him by surprise because he just wanted it to be a silly jokey thing and then people read a lot more into it so i kind of saw the preacher character as a fun nod to be like Oh yeah, some people really took that first game seriously, and that's kind of fun. But I appreciate it as well. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing with the development of this game is they were just between projects. I'm like, can we make something really quick so we don't sit around and do nothing as we try to get, like, something else greenlit? Uh, and made this, which they like. He basically admits could have just been a twine, but they he thought it'd be more interesting to add like a visual element and found someone who could do that and rig up some robots. Yeah, and I feel like it honestly looks pretty good. I really like um, the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good look. I feel like the presentation, like for I don't know how long how long your playthroughs lasted. Mine was one hour, um, almost exactly, and uh, like. I could see getting tired of this, but like everything about it that I feel like I feel like if it was longer, I could get tired of over the course of an hour is just really nice and crisp. Like that art style, like there's not a ton of variety, but there's just enough that over an hour you really just feel that sense of place. And it's really nice, I think. Yeah, mine was about around two. I harassed the listening bots a bunch and uh, <laughs> tried to go down every path. So, yeah, I, I got as far into the Thomas was alone narration as I could. So I went until he stopped giving it to me. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, I, I ducked out of that pretty fast. I was like, okay, I get what's happening. I was just curious I'm if they were going to do the whole thing. They do not do the whole thing. Yeah, at, at some point they're like, you should just go to the church if you're more interested in this. Um, but yeah, I think Cowards. I think as like a short and sweet uh, like like a short story as a video game i think this is like really perfect uh i was really surprised by this because i was expecting to not like it uh, because i didn't like the other games uh because this kind of has like a middling reputation i feel like i don't know many people who like really like this game but uh, i ended up being surprisingly positive on it yeah i think the thing that mainly pushed me away from it when i played it a year ago was some of the conversations you have with random people because it's there that the writing is mostly at its weakest at the world building part, like you mentioned, because it's just a whole scattershot mess of ideas. Like, at you can talk to a lover-bot pair, and it's clearly supposed to be a metaphor for um, queer relationships. You can get into jerky conversations about religion and stuff like that, and it feels like at some points... If you're if you're playing along the route where you're constantly engaging people in quote unquote debates or conversations, then it can get really old and tiring because he Mike Bithel and the team work through specific ideas very quickly before throwing them out and moving them on to the next one, if you're really homing in on that element in particular. And for a game that short, of course, they couldn't go into many of those ideas in depth. But the way that it ends up, the way that it comes out overall feels very facile. And sometimes if you're just skimming the surface of an idea while introducing it, it can be kind of annoying in a way. Uh, so for me, the the like the two conversations you brought up, the one with the lover bot and the like religious one are when the game gets at its most like adventure gamey. Um, the lover bot is like a puzzle in which you have to get one of this couple off of the train. Cause they won't talk to you cause they're so in love. Um, and then you have to learn how confession works to get a soldier to confess to you um, by learning the process yourself. Um, which I think both of those are kind of like, old like they feel like old puzzles in a form where like conversation driven adventure games kind of moved away from um the one i actually really like is where you pump the two detectives for information 
uh, mm. where two detectives come in and one of them is like the one that is going to interrogate you and they reflect the emotional state of their partner that exists to do like the emotional processing. And once you figure that out, you can use their partner and to, like talk to them and manipulate their emotional state to get different stuff out of the one that will actually communicate with you and ask you questions. Um, I think it's a great way to like show in with the ways in which this robot society like interacts with each other um, and gives you like a puzzle that is puzzly, but still relies more on your like intelligence and navigating the situation and not finding the lock key solution to get more information out of someone. Yeah, totally. I, that whole segment was some of the best writing in this small game. I feel like, like um, they're clearly doing a bit where in a lot of, um, police procedurals, you'll have um, the genius character and their partner, sort of like a um, Sherlock and um, Watson situation, but uh, taken to a specific extreme with the emotional states. And you can, you can get into some situations, especially if they're angry with you, where you try to ask them questions and they just talk about how um, ugly your face is, even though you're a robot with no face, which is pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also felt like the writing was pretty hit or miss. I enjoyed that part as well, and some of the some of the puzzles were kind of fun. But also, like one of the ones I didn't enjoy. This is maybe this is gonna feel a little nitpicky, but like with the with the sports bot who was who had the advertising, um, I got like I got it's like okay, I have to get the access code and get past this level of advertising. But like neither layer seemed that interesting. And then also, this is a part where it's just a little bit of like internal inconsistency. Where you're like, where you can mention the idea of an access word to him, and he'd be like, "Boy, that'd be nice. We could have a real conversation." And then you use it, and he's like, "Gosh, it would have been better if you'd asked my permission first. But okay, here we are. It's yeah, like, that like, is very. I feel like that's very much me. giving you a hint as to what to do if you're stuck more than anything. Yeah, sure. But it's like he gave me he gave me permission to do it, and then is asking me why didn't I didn't ask for permission. It mm -hmm. just feels like a little bit of of inconsistency there, and just also like. Whenever you have to like use the the access word and go down to sort of their their route, um, inherently those conversations are kind of boring because the person has had all their personality stripped away. But yeah, the the thing that's interesting to me is that the first time you use it, it's like portrayed as like this is a thing you were doing to like save this robot, and then every other time you even bring it up, and it doesn't even work on most of the people you're going to use it on. It is seen as like a violation of their personhood, like you just wave the like brain uh like the brain wipe weapon in front of them or whatever um mm -hmm. like they're offended that you'd even think of it and i think that's a more interesting idea to take it i think there was a be a way to like depict that in the original solution and like make it more consistent as like sometimes the cops strong arm people to get the thing they want and isn't that a shitty thing about cops yeah totally yeah i kind of liked the way if you try and use it on the nanny she's she's just like i'm already telling you everything you don't need to do that we re don't spoil a perfectly nice conversation <laughs> yeah i think i only tried to use it uh twice and it worked both times but generally i didn't even want to use it because it seemed really rude yeah uh i i basically used it on everyone just to see what would happen most people are just like don't do that that's not gonna work <laughs> i'm not that kind of robot <laughs> yeah uh, the, the like old tech bot, when you try to use it on him, he's like, I'm from before those, we had those systems. So <laughs> you can keep trying, but it's not going to work. This is all the personality I've got. Yeah. There are also a few nice, um, touches where 
you can you have a little bit of choice where you interact with people and it slightly changes the way that things go but not entirely like uh if you call the old timer bot something like gramps then he starts referring to himself as um gramps while he's talking with you and uh there's a point where you can actually get the nanny a new job before she leaves the um, subway station and others comment about it being like oh you seem like a pretty good person if you did that for her mm-hmm. yeah I feel like my only like at the end of this whole thing I I don't know I feel like I enjoyed a lot about the game but I don't know how like I feel like I'm I almost feel like I'm kind of giving it too much credit I don't know. Like, I feel like, a, a, like moment to moment, the writing was never that amazing to me. Um, I I really liked the art and the the way the st- the game would like the narrative was presented, but like, I feel like a lot of it just carries on the momentum of how short it is. Like, they just managed to keep up a tone and a style till they get to the end. But like, looking back on it, like there aren't that many conversations I thought were that interesting or anything. So I almost feel like I'm I'm not being hard enough on it or something uh for me it's a situation where like we do close reads on video games and most video games try very hard to be like huge blockbusters or like full-size stories and this one is not that it can't be that it's just a short story and i think if it sets up a tone and like gives you something to chew on a little bit and that's it i think that's enough for like a short story right yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my reaction to this game was to go and get a bunch of sci-fi books. And I was like, man, I really like sci-fi. I don't read enough of it. I should go do that. Um, and I think that's like a really good thing to get out of a game like this. Uh, like it's not going to change the world, but it would never set out to really do that. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, I was initially, as I mentioned before, the first time I played this, I was pretty down on it because it had just, I had just carried my bad feelings over from volume into this being like, I don't know if Mike Bethel can write very well, but uh, approaching it um, a year later with a fresh set of eyes and just hearing things like, oh yeah, it was built within a very short time frame. It was just thrown out as a thing that's like, oh, we thought this would be a fun experiment and maybe you like it, maybe you don't. That I, I'm feeling a bit more generous to it. Like, I still have problems with how the slight hand that it uses for some of the topics that it handles but uh yeah it's it's pretty inoffensive there are much much worse ways to spend a couple of hours than playing this but do make sure you make the text speed as fast as you can yes yeah especially when they're typing out like a paragraph and it takes 30 seconds for the text up here it's i don't i don't really know what they're what they were doing with that it's a dramatic pause where you check your phone. I, so, I mean, it does reflect my impatience on seeing someone is typing and waiting for their message. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Man, that's that's the that's the one thing it's missing is what if you could have conversations with multiple people and you ask like one question and then you know everyone's mad at you because you see several people are typing. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, did either of you play the follow-up that um, they released a few months ago? I have not. Uh, so, what, what I've heard is that it's mostly, it's, it's another short in a similar style, but it has no narrative connection whatsoever. 
Um, but no, actually, I was looking at it last night, but I haven't I haven't quite picked it up. When it so. comes to Switch, I will probably pick it up. <laughs> yeah, from what I understand, it's well, it's called Quarantine Circular, and it seems to be about having alien contact in the midst of a natural disaster. So that might be that that could be pretty interesting. Apparently, it also has more branching paths than this one did. Okay. Yeah. And and the way it's pitched is basically like you're in the middle of dealing with a natural disaster and then an alien shows up and is like, boy, you guys are fucking this up. <laughs> Which <laughs> I like that approach. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that sounds like it could be a pretty fun black comedy or something. Um, I think that's all I've got, though. We have an email. Yeah. Really? Great. Yes. We have one email. If you want to send us emails, you can send podcast at abnormalmapping.com for anything. You can talk about whatever you want. Uh, it doesn't even have to be the game in question. We'll read them. Uh, uh, this one is from my friend Caitlin. Uh, the question is, uh, she was wondering how we felt about using the robots as allegories for oppressed people. Do you think it worked in the narrative of the game or was it kind of shallow? Um, I, I, I think it's both, probably. <laughs> Yeah, the the robots symbolize a ton of different things at once. Like they, it's I don't, queer I don't love. know if I agree with it's... that, but <laughs> yeah. well, I, I guess I guess it feels kind of weird to have them be like, okay, it's supposed to be an allegory for this one thing, but then it's also something that we're also going to use to discuss um, two ro- robots being in love. Oh, humans won't like that. So it's clearly a queer thing as well and it the yeah it's i didn't like the way that was handled to be honest uh for me i see it more as like a class problem like it's a story about class revolution more than it is about oppressed peoples um which like those two things can dovetail into each other but i think it's much more interested in the question of like labor and the rights of laborers under like a capitalistic regime than it is about like the ways in which race or sexuality are oppressed in a society. And I think it handles the labor stuff and the class stuff much better than it does. Like the other things like the nanny that comes in and was fired because she is a robot nanny. And uh, it is impolitic to have one of those in these days. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's one of those things where they don't ask too much of it because it's such a short game. And so it manages to get by. I don't think it's particularly well, like it's not super well done, but they don't ask too much of it. So I think it's all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely think it, it drops the ball if you want to read it in more strict, like sexuality and race metaphors, because um, it just doesn't have the uh, breadth to deal with that stuff. And I don't I'm not necessarily sure this is the team that could do such a thing if they wanted to. Yeah. It'll be interesting uh, to see what where they go next from these two experiments because as far as I know, they these are the most recent two games they put out. Yeah, if they were working on this because they were working on Subsurface Circular because they were pitching a bigger game, I, I I assume that must have fallen through. Um cause no announcement of that big game or maybe it's just taking a while, but yeah, it could just be taking a while. Yeah. Um, but that, that's all, yeah, that's all I've got. The one email, please send us email. We love email. Mm-hmm. 
And it doesn't even have to be about the game that we're talking about this month. You can talk about anything from our back catalog. Or if you want to recommend us games to play, that's also a pretty good way to do it, I think. Except well, if you want to talk about Fable. If you <laughs> want to talk about Fable, we can talk about Fable. If, I'm not just a random example there. If you want to talk about Danganronpa, you can do that at Jen specifically. Because Jen, you are going to do a new thing. A horrible thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we're planning a podcast called Ultimate Despair Reprise where we're going to be doing bi-weekly episodes where we go through the series chapter by chapter and also cover all the various manga and other stuff that we missed so who is we in this oh um it's myself um and a few um um Kyrie who's appeared on some of our um Oops All Anime podcasts um Jackie who has also appeared there and uh someone else named Inez okay and I, tr- I wouldn't. I wouldn't get involved in that mess. <laughs> I, I would hope not, considering you hate Danganronpa more than me. <laughs> I have offered to like to to like sit in on an episode if if they're, if they're short and they need someone to be really angry. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, we were joking about having like at the end of each game we bring out uh, six for a rebuttal episode or something. <laughs> Danganronpa one. This game's all right every other game boy this is a stinker <laughs> but yeah um next month we'll be covering uh don't say roll of rose don't say roll of rose uh rose of winter which is a uh i think it came out this year um it's by pillow fight games the people who also developed and published things like uh heaven will be mine um and Oh, I'm blanking on the Ghost of Miami, which we've also covered on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose of Winter came out in 2016, if this Kotaku article by Gita Jackson's to be believed. Oh, okay. So it's been a bit. It yes. kind of recently, aside from you recommending it or suggesting it as a potential next uh, project to cover, I it recently popped up in my ma- mind because... Uh, the Deltarune soundtrack uses one of the songs from that game, which is kind of oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I am. I'm looking forward to to diving into that. And uh, oh yeah, no, it does say here soundtrack by Toby Fox. Okay. Oh wait, so he composed the soundtrack for all of Rose of Winter? It looks like it from these credits. Oh wow. Okay. That, that's pretty cool. So. Uh, but looking forward to diving into that. Uh, as mentioned, obviously, any any questions or comments you have about Rose of Winter or anything else we've covered or anything else we haven't covered, uh, you can send them to uh, podcastabnormalmapping.com. Did I get that wrong? No, that was correct. Cool. For some reason, I thought that was wrong. Um, or just tweet at one of us on Twitter, and we'll be happy to respond. Um, but I guess you would have to know how to get a hold of us. So, uh, Jen, what's your What's your info? So um, I'm at JBU3 on Twitter. Um, that's usually the best way you can contact me. And uh, yeah. All right. How about you, Six? Uh, I'm at Six Detmar on Twitter. And also, if you wonder what I get up to, uh, on my profile, the top pinned tweet is all my podcasts and stuff, as well as the Patreon and everything. So. 
Uh, and I am at EM underscore being. Uh, if you want more game clubs like this, uh, listen to Abnormal Mapping at thebestgame.club. Uh, we just recently put out an episode on Vampire the Masquerade. That's what the last game was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bloodline specifically. There are two of those, I guess. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And until next time, um, we'll see you for Rosa Winter. Um and that'll be our last game for the year, which is pretty exciting. We've we've done a decent number of these. Yeah, getting through it, huh? Uh, been a been a been a bit of a year for visual novels and also the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, for everything. <laughs> um, but you know, I was gonna say the future is bright. I don't know if I can say that. The future is the future. It'll happen. There are many more Probably. visual novels for us to talk about in the future. Indeed, indeed. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to make another Danganronpa. Oh no, they're gonna make that thing that's Danganronpa, but also uh, Zero Escape, and it's just gonna be the singularity of problematic murder horny games. But what if, what if Spike Chunsoft pulled a Konami and was like Danganronpa survive? <laughs> oh. Oh, just make an actual battle royale game in a game that's already basically battle royale. Can't wait to craft a Monokuma bait. <laughs> I hate it. We have to end this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll uh, catch y'all next time. Peace. <laughs>